It's not the inspector's responsibility to unscrew panels, unbolt panels, remove sealants around door panels and things like that. The panel itself, any access door, has to just be a latch that you can get into. G'day and welcome to the Making It With Miles podcast. We're back for another episode where we discuss all things building, construction, uh, real estate through the lens of a building inspector and a little bit of personal development stuff every now and then. Now we have two uh, formats to the podcast. We have The Shed. The Shed is where we discuss all those types of things in regards to building inspections, um, the real estate industry, building, construction, renos, DIYs, all that sort of shit. And then we also have the journey. The journey is uh, just a personal thing for me to just sort of dabble in a couple of uh, personal development things that help me, which I want to help others, which um, we play every now and then. Now, on this episode, we are doing a segment of The Shed, and this one is specifically with regards to pre-purchase building inspections. Now, I am a building inspector, and I specialize in pre-purchase building inspections. And one thing that we come across quite often is the questions of what's included in a building inspection, what's not included in a building inspection. And this episode is going to be uh, focused on what is not included in a building inspection. So to understand the restrictions, the access issues, and then specific items that we don't actually inspect on. Now, providing a good service uh, always comes down to people's expectations. So most of the time, clients' uh, disputes always come down to the expectation that their building inspector was to do X, Y, and Z for them. Now, I've had that happen numerous times, and we do send out agreements, which every inspector has to do before you engage them uh, for a pre-purchase building inspections. But just like most terms and conditions, we can't be bothered reading them, so we don't actually read into them, okay? So a conversation should really be had to ensure that your expectations are going to be met um, with your building inspector and you're not going to pay your 600 bucks, get a report back and realize that all the things that you really cared about actually will have never been on the report in the first place. So we're going to quickly get straight into it. Now, there's a few things we're going to talk about in this um, episode the first thing is going to be the access. Um, then we're going to talk about the restrictions that we have in place. And then on the back end of that, we're going to talk about, we're just literally going to pull the whole list of items that are excluded from um, a pre-purchase building inspection report. Um, so if you weren't aware, all reports are built around the Australian standard uh, 4349.1, which is part one of the 2007 inspections of buildings, okay? So this is the pre-purchase building inspection framework, um, which we all have to abide by um, Australia-wide. So there's a, literally a clear list of things that are excluded, all right? So we'll, um, the first thing we're gonna talk about is access. So the access dimensions to get into uh, ceiling spaces under the house and on top of the roof. Inside the roof space, it's a 400 by 500 millimeter access panel is what's required to get into that space. Anything bigger than that is obviously fine. Anything smaller can be de- deemed as inaccessible. We've got the crawl space in the roof cavity itself, which is gonna be 600 by 600. So that's gonna be determined, I believe, on what you're crawling on. If it's just timber panels on the on top of the ceiling joists, well, that should be no issue at all, really. Um, but if it's something like you've got ceiling joists, you've got a 900 millimeter span, um, there's no way even I could physically scale 900 millimeters so almost a meter through a tiny little crawl space like that it's just impractical that's when you're falling through ceilings um, and causing more damage 
uh, than you need to. Now, the next one is the roof exterior. So that needs to be accessible with a 3.6 meter ladder. Anything greater than that, it's not accessible, move on. Subfloor space, similar to the access panel, 400 by 500 mil access space. Um, and the crawl space is to be determined by the inspector. So they can open it up. If they see mold at the entry or it has like a toxic smell or there's issues like that, they don't have to enter that space. It's an unsafe, unsafe environment, okay? Another important part here is with regards to the access panels themselves. So it's not the inspector's responsibility to unscrew panels, unbolt panels, remove sealants around door panels and things like that. The panel itself, any access door, has to just be a latch that you can get into. They're not, they're not cutting locks. They're doing none of that shit. They just open the door, they go in. If it's locked, they can't get in. If it's screwed shut, they can't get in. All right. So if you're going to go into this situation, just make sure you have a chat with the, uh, the real estate agent to ensure that that access will be made available for the building inspector. There's been certain times when the client has understood that this the, the access issues and they've had the vendor unscrew the access panel so it's loose and ready for me to come in and do what I need to do. Okay. Now, the other component are restrictions. So this sort of leads on to just the general restrictions that you're going to have in a house that somebody lives in. So the legal right of entry, so just not being allowed on the property is a valid reason for not being able to do the report. Locked doors is another one. If you don't have the key to unlock the doors, you can't access the space. Security systems, you've got pets and furniture. Furniture is a big one, all right? It's not up to the inspector to move bookcases and move tables and chairs, even even door furnishings and stored goods just sitting against walls, it's not their responsibility to do so. Now, on the odd occasion, they may see signs of some damage and they might want to investigate a little bit further. This is usually around wet areas, so you might see a little bit of damage behind, I don't know, next to a shower recess, and then you go into the walk-in robe, which usually backs onto it, and there might be a picture frame landing against the wall or the laundry basket. They'll move it out of the way to have a look, just to try to see some bits and pieces, but they're not gonna do that throughout the whole entire property. Another one as well is the uh, external of the property. So you've got your vegetation or your trees and your foliage or your stored goods, your hot water services, your water tanks, all these specific items around the property, which do restrict a lot of the um, uh, visual inspection, especially when you get to those shocking hoarder homes where there's just shit everywhere. Uh, and on top of that is weather conditions. So if it's piss and rain, uh, the inspector will most likely not be walking and crawling across the roof because they prefer their legs not broken. So what they'll do, they, they just get the ladder out and inspect wherever they can. They can't get up to the um, to the ridge and just check that the mortar's all good or there's any cracks or damage around the roof uh, tiles or, or roof sheets, whatever the, whatever the issue is. So that's something to be mindful of as well. So we've spoken about the access and the restrictions. So the inspector can rock up to site. You can get access around the house, under the house, in the roof cavity, on top of the roof cavity. But there are those things that will restrict them to for getting a reasonable, um, reasonable access in that space. One thing I'd probably like to add to that is with regards to um, the roof cavity. And that is specifically with like roof ducting, um, heating units and insulation okay so it's not our responsibility to move all these things out of the way and reinvent the wheel to to look through those spaces we just look as best as practical to make a best judgment on the property itself all right this is also similar with regards to the subfloor as well ducting subfloor insulation if any um and low access issues just like it's just too tight you can't 
physically get any further. So those are very important parts that come up very often in most um, inspections and it's just something to also be mindful of as well. So what we're gonna do now is literally go step by step through the entire list of what the inspector does not need to inspect uh, or report on for the following, okay? So this is straight out of the Australian standard which our reports are all based around and this is the appendix at the back end. So first one's first. The inspector need not inspect or report on the following. Footings below ground. Well, of course, it's not our job to go to site, dig up the side of the footing to see if it's deep enough, okay? We can't physically see it. Unfortunately, we can't actually inspect on it. We can still inspect on suspected issues with footings. This is things related to like movement issues, cracks, all that sort of stuff, which is very critical and very important to understand but we can't specifically report on the footing. Concealed damp proof course. So the damp proof course is a barrier in the brickwork which stops any moisture getting up from the ground itself and working its way up through into the property itself, which is called rising damp. We can't determine if the damp course is adequate, if it's broken, if it's there or not. In some situations we can, some situations we can't. An important one, electrical installations, operation of smoke detectors, light switches and fittings, TV, sound and communications and security systems. So it is not the building inspector's responsibility to inspect on all electrical installations such as that. They will still make note if there is something that they see that is completely dodgy and it is absolutely knackered and it's gonna cause issues, it will be and should be reported upon but it will not form up a full report. You will not know every single light switch in the entire property is working as it should. You will not know if every light bulb is working as it should. You will not know if every smoke detector is adequately placed and positioned and works and serviced. It will not form part of the report. Concealed plumbing. Concealed plumbing. Things you can't see. Now, if we do come across water damaged areas and we can maybe lean it towards suspected plumbing leaks, that can make sense, but it's never going to be, it is definitely X. It's going to be open up the wall cavity, have a look inside because we can't see shit, but we have our moisture meters and we know there's moisture present. We think this is the issue. Adequacy of roof drainage as installed. Now we are, again, with pre-purchase building inspections, it's not a compliance. We look at the overall structure and determine if there's any leaks or any issues, should you engage somebody else to repair something. So to check out the roof drainage itself, um, and to ensure it's installed adequately is not going to form part of it. Gas fittings and fixtures. Again, it's a specialized trade. A plumber needs to be out to come out to check on gas fixtures and fittings. But if there's a leaky tap, if you can smell gas from the front of the house and it's dodgy as, it's going to be put in the report to get a plumber to come out to check it all out. Air conditioning. We're not going to check air conditioning. Automatic garage door mechanisms. This is super common. Again, we always tell our clients, if you go through the house for a second time, Make sure you speak to the agent, get access, just turn some stuff on, play around with it. You need to make sure it all works or put it in your contract to ensure that it is operational uh, upon the time of handover. Swimming pools and associated filtration and similar equipment. This also goes for swimming pool fences as well. This is maybe more specific with regards to Victoria, but a pre-purchase building report does not give you a pool barrier certification certificate to say it all complies and she's hunky-dory. And we don't care about the pool, pool equipment, anything like that. If we do see something that is maybe of concern, maybe uh, there's an obvious safety hazard and the pool fence is clearly non-compliant and someone can fall in, that will be put as a major defect. But we will not be going into the nitty-gritty, the hinges are too close to each other or there's like a little foothold here. We'll not go into that detail, unfortunately. Uh, the operation of fireplaces and solid fuel heaters, including chimneys and flues. Alarm systems, 
we don't care about. Intercom systems, we're not playing around with. Again, you can get the theme here. It's more about the services in the property, okay? Uh, soft floor coverings. Now, that's your carpets. We're not going to be... There's no mention of carpets or anything like that. Electrical appliances, including dishwashers, um, incinerators, ovens, ductive vacuum systems, everything related to those types of appliances. Paint coatings, except external protective coatings. Now, internal paint defects will not come up on a pre-purchase building inspection report because it is not really required. It may be a conversation of the condition of the home. You know, the condition is not being looked after and it could use a paint job, but it's not going to be a defect or anything like that. Um, external paint coverings is a little bit different because that is needed for the life of the home. So you will most likely have weatherboards that need paint or barge boards or fascia boards around the property that need a paint job. The timber work might be completely fine and not fall apart, but it will be in the report that it needs painting because for that product to work, it needs the protective paint in place. The other one is health hazards. So what we've got here is uh, things like allergies, soil toxicity, lead content, uh, presence of asbestos, okay, and some other word I can't even pronounce. Presence of asbestos. Now, this is a very important one as well. So it's not part of our report to report on asbestos, even if it's there or suspected to be there. Now, I do come across numerous inspectors that report on asbestos and put it down as a major safety issue. Now, me personally, I... I, I kind of steer away from that asbestos in its state if it's a you know say it's a wall lining in a laundry and it's painted there's no issue with it it doesn't do anything you can make general note to say this is suspected asbestos and if you're going to do any work in that space well then you really should engage an asbestos auditor who comes to site breaks a piece of the, pa the paneling off or the suspected material gets it tested at a lab to determine if it's asbestos or not. That's the only process. So a pre-purchase building inspection report will not form part of any sort of asbestos audit. There's nothing wrong with having a conversation with your inspector and go, right, mate, if you can just let me know what, if you suspect there's any asbestos on site and they'll be like, yep, sweet, mate, won't form part of the report, but I can just chuck it in an email or give you a text or something like that or have a conversation with you over the phone. At the end of the day, you just cannot determine if it's asbestos or not until you take it to the lab, all right? Now, now, timber and metal framing sizes and adequacy. It's not up to us to know that the beam size that is picking up the second-story roof structure is the right size or the steelwork put in place is correct. It's just not... We're not engineers. If we see a massive deflection... Um, or a sag in these beams while there'll be some sort of note made on it because it looks like it is, it's obviously a structural issue and something needs to be actioned. Um, concealed tie-downs and bracing. Again, it's in the wall cavity. We can't see those types of things. Uh, we've got timber pest activity, so we're talking here more about building the building side. Other mechanical or electrical equipment such as gates, you know, just stuff, random things like that, bits and pieces we don't really play around with. The soil conditions, control joints, sustainable development provisions. So, like, you know, we do get a lot of things about, um, you know, if we can cut trees down around the house in this local area, you might be in the bush somewhere. Like, we don't have those answers, unfortunately. Okay, well, our focus is just the house and to give you a better, good, professional opinion of what you're actually buying, all right? Uh, concealed framing timbers uh, or any areas concealed by wall linings and sidings. Well, this is obvious. The wall's covering everything. We can't see it. So we can't make any determination if it's good or not. Even if we suspected, for example, um, there was like a structural issue 
Uh, we, maybe we're pushing on the wall and we can feel it actually has a bit of movement in it. Structurally, we don't know. There might be a beam above and that's just a, a fake infill wall and it's just been poorly built. But it'll be in the report as a issue that needs to be raised further and 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 understood more. Okay, might need to take the take the sheetings off the wall to actually see what's going on. All right, um, we can't see the things that are covered up. Landscaping, rubbish, floor covers, furniture and accessories, stored items. All right, so these again, these are all the the, the general things that we have in the house. All right, we can only see what we can see when we're not going to move. Uh, uh, the whole entire property around on its head to further investigate. That's why it's always good to inspect a house that's empty. Best case scenario, all right? Or a staged home because it's usually sort of partially furnished. Insulation, again, we will make comment if there's any you know, insulation that's been removed and there's energy efficiency issues, um, but we're not going to report on the insulation. We're not going to say if the insulation is adequate for that space. It's just not part of the report. The energy efficiency and the lighting efficiency of the property itself, okay? Something that we're not specialised in, we can't do that. That's, again, another specialised industry. So these are the excluded items. Now, I don't want to break your heart because it sounds like there's a lot of shit that we don't do. More or less, what we try to focus on doing is we focus on building a beautifully represented report that really describes the story of the home is how I like to put it, Okay. We inspect the home based on the age of the property. We usually, have a small section that talks about um, what we, you know, how we how we rate the condition of the property, how we rate the uh, the number of minor defects and major defects. You know, if it's typical or low or it's or it's really high, um, and we sort of make judgment on that. And it's always based around the age of the property. Okay, and then the defects that are going to come up. The defects is obviously the major issues with the with the property that you really need to understand. But you'll also get a massive hit list of minor defects. And these minor defects, most of the time, are just general maintenance items. The property has just been there for so long and no one's done anything with it because people don't really, these days, treat their property as well as they treat their car. You know, you service your car, no one services their property. Maybe because they're not aware of the things they need to really service on the property to sort of outlive it and they just want to trick things up and make it look pretty. It's just a hit list of defects of the property, okay? And that's why, you know, we can't check everything because we're not we specialised in all the trades, but you will get a very good description of the property and be able to make a very informed decision on that property. And if there are major issues that a professional comes in and picks up, you can just do the Harold Holt and get out of there, which is completely fair and reasonable. So that's what we don't do in the inspections. That's a bit of brief on what we do do. Now, I hope this provided some value to you. If you find any value in these episodes, please like, subscribe, share, send it to anyone who's especially in the property market at the moment looking to buy and looking to sell. Understanding this component from both perspectives is going to help you dramatically, okay? I've done a previous episode on doing like vendor pre-sale inspections. So if you're selling your house, one of these guys comes out, gives you a massive scope. Like this is the report that I would provide to the buyer about your property. It can help you with negotiation. It can help you with just, just making informed decisions. There's all these types of things. Go find that um, in the early episodes. Uh, other than that, thanks for listening in. Again, yeah, like, subscribe, and I will see you in the next one. Cheers, guys.